Hey, you're just starting the Trek Off podcast now, so it's a good time for you to subscribe to a new podcast, too. The Totally Super Podcast is me and my good friend Arthur reviewing every single superhero movie ever made. That's right. It's called Totally Super. It's put out by Geeks Radio. It's like Trek Off, but for superhero movies. Maybe not quite so dirty, but... It's still fun. So check out Totally Super. Search for it right now. Whatever you're listening on right now, whatever you found Trek Off on, just use that to find Totally Super and subscribe. Okay, enjoy Trek Off. It's time for Trek Off. Set phasers to love. Welcome to Trek Off. My name is Justin, and I am here to talk to you about Solo, a Star Wars story. Um, my uh, partner in crime, Alexi, is not available uh, to watch it yet, um, but we decided together that it would be a good idea for me to uh, to give you my thoughts on my own. It is 1141. I've just gotten home uh, from seeing Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, first and foremost, there are going to be a few spoilers here. I am so jazzed. Um, it was great. I really enjoyed it. I've already been on Facebook. I've seen one person say that they were angry at it. I can't imagine being angry at this film. Like, in our discussions of The Last Jedi, I can see why people were angry at it. I don't agree with them. I loved it. I thought Last Jedi was great. But if someone were to go, go, hey, I'm angry at it, I understand how you might disagree with choices. There are so few choices in Solo that I would disagree with. The only thing that someone could say is that maybe they played it a little safe. And okay, maybe they did, but it was fun. Like watching a Bond film, it was fun. Um, let's, start, let's talk first about characters. Uh, let's start with uh, the main guy, Han Solo. Uh, Alden and Ehrenreich, I've been calling him Harlan Ellison. I don't know why. Um, but he is, the trailers have done this gentleman a disservice. When you watch the trailers, they give him just the worst lines to say. And it occurs to me, if you were to try to get trailer-worthy moments from Han in the original trilogy, and those moments were about just him, just Han all the time, that's not really what he does. Han is part of the story. And and if you were to get him leaning back, talking to Luke for the first time, and he goes fast, like it just, there's not trailer worthy moments. That's not kind of how Harrison Ford operates. Alden does a great job. I'll be the first to say that I was, I was arms, arms folded a little bit on him. I was ready to love everything and tolerate him. He's fine. He's good. As a matter of fact, I don't know if he's great. I want to reserve great for another character who we'll talk about. Um, but he's really good. And I want to give him all the props in the world for putting up with the kind of bullshit that people, even including myself, may have thrown his way. He deserves accolades for how well he did. Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. Holy moly, guys. He is spectacular. He is, you know, when he, the way he pronounces his S is a little soft, the way that he, you know, again, spoilers from the movie, time to check out if you don't want them, but the way that he calls him Han, and then he's corrected to Han, that's writing stuff, but the smile, the swagger, the pronunciation of the words, this guy immediately will seamlessly transition to Lando as played by Billy D. Williams in The Empire Strikes Back. It is phenomenal it's joyous i think that carl urban as bones is maybe not as good as this this is oh quite a find 
this gentleman, uh, Donald Glover, he's going to do well for himself. Amelia Clark also, I was burned a little by, um, and I, she wasn't terrible, but her performance in Terminator Genesis, a film that I'm on record as liking. I think as time has gone on, I've liked it less. I've seen it again since. And eh, um, when she's fine in it, but not great. She is really a different character in this than I thought she was going to be. She is a a fine foil to the mix. I'm not going to say that she shines, but she's perfectly serviceable. Woody Harrelson. You could say he's playing Woody Harrelson. I feel his presence in this story. He's sort of the Han Solo of this group or what you think Han Solo is. He is, um, he's playing Woody Harrelson, but he's doing it well. I think that there's a reason that we like him as a person. We've liked him ever since Cheers as being the guy who just kind of is rooted in reality. Sometimes in situations that are not always rooted in reality. His character in Zombieland, similar to his character in this. Um, uh, going through, I think that we can talk about the other characters there, but I think that Paul Bettany was so much fun as the bad guy in this film, um, that, uh, as Dryden Voss, Paul Bettany, I didn't even realize that this is the same guy as vision in that vision is so, has such a different kind of quiet intensity and such a different energy that he brings that this guy was so openly intense and so theatrical. I didn't realize till halfway through the film was like, Oh my gosh, that's vision. Wait a second. That's vision from the Avengers. He is very good. Um, so in terms of the the performances, they are uh, across the board good. In some cases, great. I am so thrilled uh, by this film. So let's go through it real quick. Um, it starts off on Corellia, where a young Han Solo and his lover Kira are trying to escape uh, the crutches. The, and a lot is from Wikipedia I'm grabbing here because uh, it's just in my head and it's going to take me a few times through to get to it. But... Uh, Han is what they call a scrum rat. He's basically living on the streets, kind of Aladdin-esque, uh, running heists, trying to get that one score that's going to get him clear from this. And it's interesting that you see the theme of he is in the, the movie starts with him trying to get that one more score that's going to get him out. And he's always the first whole life going to be trying to get that one more score. And you see the end of Woody Harrelson's character at the end of the movie. And all he wants is that one more score. That's going to get him out. So you see the cycle of the life as one of the themes that I really enjoyed. Um, he gets out in a harrowing chase. Again, chase after chase after chase after chase in this film. Um, if people want to draw, I'm sure, I know that they said that there were drawing some inspiration from movies like The French Connection, stuff like that. There's just so many chases in this film. Um, it's really kind of a blast. But he, in a last ditch attempt, uh, decides to join the Imperial Navy. And to to get away from Corellia as poor Kira is left behind. We cut to three years later and Han is an infantry uh, guy. He's, I don't want to say stormtrooper, but he's the just the grunts on the ground for the Empire putting down rebellions. And he runs into Woody Harrelson's character. Again, I'm just going to call him Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson's character is Tobias Beckett. Uh, he runs into Tobias Beckett, who is running a scam in there. And they're trying to uh, they're trying to get um, what is the I'm looking up uh, on Wikipedia. Pardon me while, while I do it. Uh, the the thing they're always trying to go for the MacGuffin of the film. Uh, they are trying to get the coaxium. Um 
So Tobias Beckett is is trying to run a scam, steal a ship from from the Empire that he can use to go pick up a bunch of Quaxium. Uh, Han tries to join his gang. He gets betrayed by Beckett. He gets thrown into basically what looks like a like the pit that would be underneath uh, that would be underneath like the Rancor pit from Return of the Jedi. But the beast he has to fight in there is Chewbacca. You get to actually see him speak uh, uh, Wookiees. Uh, to Chewbacca, which is a really fun scene, as they immediately bond and they go and they escape together, and they end up joining uh, the gang. We cut from that uh, to another planet where uh, where they need to run a, basically a train heist um, for uh, to get some of the coaxium for the Crimson Dawn, which is one of the. If you read the books, it's of Crime Syndicate, and you've watched the the like the Clone Wars, and which is going to come up later, and Rebels Crimson Dawn as a thing. Um, and they are trying to steal the Quaxium in a big uh, train heist. It goes bad uh, because of some other scavengers or, or ravagers or whatever they are. They come up and try and stop uh, it from happening. Uh, part of the part of the crew dies on it, and it basically ends up being Han and Tobias Beckett and Chewbacca uh, and uh, L three. The droid are all that's left. L3, by the way, what a fun character. A droid who is like a post-Me Too droid. She's spectacular. Uh, and and the fact that she... And again, I'm, I'm cutting all around because that's later on. But it's uh, she's not part of it yet. Sorry. I'm, again, my mind is just flying because of how fun the film was. So uh, I will have, I will be able to process it over the course of the next day or two. I'm certainly going to see it three or four more times. Uh, He ends up, uh, they end up uh, going back to the Crimson Dawn. And when they go to Crimson Dawn, uh, you meet uh, the character of Dryden Voss, where Dryden Voss uh, basically says, well, you failed to get the coaxium because the Ravager stopped you. So what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to kill you. If you can't get some more, they, off the seat of their pants, decide to get some uh, from some unrefined coaxium uh, from uh, the planet. Do 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 do. Oh, from Kessel, um, which is uh, you need to do twenty jumps, twenty different parsecs to get to Pet Kessel, unless you take a shortcut. Um, they go through that. They go through the the machinations of that. They start a rebellion there. People betray each other. We meet Han. There's a beautiful game of cards where where or we meet Lando. Lando cheats, uh, but he joins the Millennium Falcon. They all go. So all all of this all this happens. If you listen to this, hopefully you've seen the movie. Um, and I don't want to just recite the whole plot to you. So let me just tell you some things that I did enjoy. Again, there will be a longer and more extended uh, review as I get a chance to talk to Alexi about it. Um, but they, they, he wins, uh, he loses at Sabak and, uh, and Lando joins him for the heist. They decide they're going to go to this, uh, this planet and to Kessel. And they're going to, they run through this beautiful um, sort of expanse that they have to go through. The Kessel run goes through this maelstrom, the storm in space that is gorgeous. Um, cinematic again you could pause it at any point and just put that up on your wall uh, because you've got the clouds it's 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 a, an incredibly beautiful cinematic film I heard someone say in another podcast that I listened to it's gonna be much more organized than this first thought um, but I heard someone say this might be the best looking I still think The Last Jedi strives so much uh, for beauty in what it does but this is striving for fun it's always striving for fun but there's some beauty in the maelstrom uh, area um, of it so they do 
a rebellion on Kessel where they get the they get the unrefined coaxium that they have to get back. Uh, L three is uh, fatally shot, and so she gets plugged into the she gets plugged into the Millennium Falcon. And in the escape here, uh, quite a few important things happen. First of all, the Millennium Falcon, which looks pristine and totally different than the one you know, gets damaged to the point where it looks like the Millennium Falcon you know. Second, L three gets her mind uh, put into the Millennium Falcon. So when you're talking about the Millennium Falcon as being a character in Star Wars, turns out it's a sentient character. It is actually a sentient ship. It never occurred to me that might be the case. I love it. I'm really okay with it. Um, With the help of L3, they have to chart a shortcut, and suddenly he's doing the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. And that suddenly you're getting, oh, that's what that is. By the end, you have the Millennium Falcon as you know it. Han has done the Kessel Run. You even have Han shooting first. Uh, some people might say that's fan service. I'm totally okay with it. Um, you have the the characters sort of in the place that you're ready for them to be in. So they get uh, they get back to... And by the way, the Ravagers, their name is uh, Enfys Nest. So they get back to uh, uh, the planet. I'm trying to see where the planet is actually, and I can't see here it is. Well, they go back to basically a desert planet with a little bit of water on it, and they they go on to um, Dryden Voss's ship where there's double cross after double cross, very Tarantino-esque. Uh, they find out that the Ravagers are actually trying to start a rebellion, and that's what they're going to be using the Coaxium for. Uh, there's a double cross here, double cross there. And Han sort of maneuvers the rebellion into happening there. As there's a final battle, they have to have a sword fight. Of course they do. So they do that. Uh, and of course, Dryden Voss is killed. And it ends up with Amelia Clark uh, still there, or Kira uh, still there on the yacht, saying she's going to meet, meet Han. But of course, she's not. She's betrayed him. Uh, of course, uh, Tobias Beggett has betrayed Han as well. They face off. Han shoots first and is praised for doing so. And then you have a moment that I'm so happy about. And so I understand some people might not love it, and they're, I'm sure they're going to be people, people scratching their heads at this point. You find out who Amelia Clark's been working with. She's Kira's been working with Darth Maul with his robot legs. Now, if you haven't watched The Clone Wars or Rebels, you're scratching your head. I thought Darth Maul was dead. He died at the end of episode one. What in the world is Darth Maul doing here? Darth Maul, still played by Ray Park, by the way. And he's still alive. Why is he still alive? Because on Clone Wars and Rebels, there's a huge plot. You see his life, his evolution, what, how he gets his robot legs, and eventually his death on those shows. This is the first time, as far as I know, with the exception of a little, like, like the, the, the ghost is in the background shot. You hear General Sandula in, uh, in Rogue One. But it's the first time I'm aware of that you've had a very big, plot point from the show moving to the movies. It's always been whatever happens in the movies plays into the show. Sagarera is in the movies. And I guess Sagarera was a character that was first introduced in the show, but that wasn't, you didn't need to know that this is a major thing in the show. If you don't watch the shows, the presence of Darth Maul is just a head scratcher. But if you watch the show, it perfectly makes sense why he's there with robot legs. I am so excited. They're playing the duel of the fates there. The more embracing of the prequels. And I've talked about this on this show that I had wished that the Disney era would embrace the, the prequels more. And now you have Darth Maul is in the mix for what is clearly set up to be a sequel to Solo. And because it's Star Wars, of course, they're going to make one. Um, so I am excited about where that's going to go. We end up with Han 
is going to go to uh he he wins the falcon away from lando in another game of Sabacc where Lando's not able to cheat, he gets the Falcon back and he takes the Falcon uh, to meet the Huts on Tatooine, which is where we the movie ends. Uh, we're set up for what's going to be a sequel, but as a standalone, if you never got a sequel, this would be a perfect setup to to Episode Four, and you could go, well, whatever happened with Darth Maul? Well, that you at least get some of that story. I am so thrilled at the fun of this movie. It is slight. It is. It feels unimportant uh, because it is, and that's okay. I think that people who maybe had a problem with the Last Jedi had a problem with the weight of it, and and it can be complained about in the prequels certainly, which I love. I've been I'm a record as loving the prequels. I'm a, I love all of Star Wars, but there is a heaviness that is not there in much of the original trilogy that exists that pervades. Much of the Star Wars that we've gotten, Rogue One had it, Last Jedi had it. There's even some serious heavy, like the weight of the world sometimes seems like it's on these films. Um, that's not here. So if you like Star Wars and Empire and some of the more just sort of fun, a little bit goofy, just fun that Star Wars had, this has it without feeling like it's a bunch of fan service. This gets the tone right. Um, we know about the the we've talked on our show a lot about the difficulty that you had with uh, Lord Miller, who had started the the production of the film, taken over by Ron Howard halfway through. Evidently, only half of their stuff is in this film. Most of it's Ron Howard. I am so excited at what we got out of it. This is is it a corporate film? Yes. Is it a formulaic? Yes. Is it a little bit safe? Yes. But you know what? In the way that the best Bond films are. It is a formula that, you know, am I ever really surprised with the exception of Darth Maul? No, maybe not really. I kind of know everything as it's coming, but it goes at such a pace and happens so fun and so fast that I am having a great time throughout the film. Am I at the edge of my seat like Last Jedi? No. Am I gripping my... No. I'm just smiling. I'm just smiling throughout the film. So I'm going to give it the highest recommends. I love this film. It's not one of my... like. Is it one of your favorites? That's hard to say. It's such a different animal than the others. But you know, I always have to rank. So my number one Star Wars film is still Empire, probably followed by the original Star Wars, still probably followed by Episode 3, then episode one, then probably Last Jedi, then this, then Rogue One, um, then Return of the Jedi, then episode one, then episode two. It's probably the way that I would do it. Again, that could change on any day. It's right in the middle, but it's a good place to be, and it's in the middle for being fun and I you if if you don't like some of those films, if you're like episode three, really, really? That's that. If you're like Last Jedi, really, this is you're gonna appreciate this because this would. If if I didn't like the weight and the heaviness of those films, this would be way above those. But I like you know the self importance that it has sometimes. Um, so that's my little quick review of uh Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, let us know on Facebook what you thought. Please go on the Truck Off Facebook page and let us know what you thought of it. We're going to be talking about this a lot more. I'm hoping to talk to Arthur over on Totally Super about it as well. As soon as Alexia sees it, we're going to have a, believe me, lots of discussion about it. But for now, my name is Justin. And as Alexia would say, Truck Off, bitches. Hey, you know what makes us different than all those other podcasts you listen to? 
We have a movie. There's a movie of this podcast on Amazon Prime right now. Just go right now on Amazon Prime and go look. Check it out. Just search for it. There you go. There it is. Trek off. One word. Just search for Trek off on Amazon Prime or Amazon Instant Video if you want to rent it. If you don't have Amazon Prime as a subscription or if you want to buy the DVD, it's there on Amazon. But seriously, this podcast, you got all the way to the end. Now go watch us and give us reviews and tell the world, man, a podcast got me made into a movie, man. How cool is that? Go look it up and share it. Love you guys.